1: did you miss canty and carlin
2: everybody's feeling good and big d about what's going on with the cowboys it's canty and carlin espn radio presented by progressive insurance we're on series xm channel 80 as well as your smart speakers clarence hill jr fort worth star telegram knows the cowboys like nobody else clarence we appreciate the time as usual it's canty and carlin what did you take out of that What's the word I'm looking for? Demolition of the Minnesota Vikings yesterday.
3: It was a demolition. And, and, and you know, as I've been trying to tell people, you know, it's, it's a week to week league. And I, I've said this before, you know, I don't think there are any locks at the Super Bowl. Maybe the closest one is the Kansas City Chiefs because of, you know, Patrick Mahomes. But the NFC is wide open. The NFC is wide open. And, you know, for the Cowboys, it's just about the character, folks. So the disappointment they showed it had and the frustration, the anger. They had in Green Bay to do what they did a week later in, in, in Minnesota, which I would say is the most impressive win this season by a team against a, another contending team. You know, so have, to, okay. do what they, ahead, to do what they did against a Vikings team that won seven straight, that have come off uh, beating Buffalo, which at two weeks ago we thought was the best team in football, and to, to destroy them like that on both sides of the ball from start to finish, they the, – the end, the line, everything, that's probably the most impressive performance of the season by any team in the field.
1: See Seahill, I thought it was undeniable, Zeke's impact on the offense yesterday, and I think it goes beyond just the box score. It's hard to quantify just exactly what he means to that offense, but that being said, we are talking about a guy that hadn't played football in about three weeks. How are the Cowboys going to handle him with this short week playing on Thanksgiving against the New York Giants?
3: So, let's let's just start with the first thing. You know, uh, last week, uh, Pro Bowl, Future Hall of Famer, All-Pro guard, Zach Martin, said Zeke was the imper- was the one-man embodiment of the team identity. You know, everybody gets caught up in the, in the yards and all the other stuff, but what he does as a blocker, what he does as a teammate, what he does with his toughness, what he does the way he practices, the way he leads, he... is is the identity of that team. That's how the Cowboys feel about him. So they missed him. Yes, Tony Pollard is great. He's their most dangerous player. He's the most, you know, impactful offensive player because of what he can do. But they need Zeke, and they're going to use both of them. Yeah, this week I think that, you know, they're not practicing much. uh, They're certainly not practicing at all going to the Thanksgiving Day game. and, And, you know, they do have that benefit of finally having those 10 days afterwards. You know, Zeke's full go. I mean, they're going to use him in tandem with Tony Pollard. And you know, in, in the past, it was let's use him in tandem to save Tony Pollard. Now we're using them tandem to save Ellis, who's still coming back from the injury. But they're going to use the plan has always been to use them in tandem. And I think, you know, they are at their best when both of the guys are out there doing what they do. Tony Pollard out there gasping and being lightning, and Zeke being the thunder. And you saw that on uh, Sunday against the Vikings.
2: Clarence Hill, Jr., Fort Worth Star-Telegram with Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Uh, all right, Clarence, when I look at the Cowboys' run defense, it didn't get tested much yesterday, which is a bit of a surprise, but then again, it wasn't much of a game. What is the level of concern around that here moving
3: forward? Well, I mean, I think there's always going to be a level of concern. I mean, that that's the weakness. You know, if there is a weakness, and if team would rather run against the Cowboys than face that pass rush, as you saw have seen all season, and certainly saw it uh, Sunday with the Vikings. You know, I don't know if the the Vikings were not stubborn, forcing the run, and they thought you know they got Justin Jefferson, they got some stealing, they got a tight end, they got a quarterback on the roll. They thought they could do it all, and really they played in the Cowboys' hands because they didn't they didn't force the run. But give the Cowboys credit for for, for stopping the run, controlling the ball in the offense. It, it's important that the Vikings did not have a lot of plays because the Cowboys won game and where they control the ball and they got. They got the lead and certainly took them out of their ability to run. But, yeah, it's something they're going to have to contend with and and prove it week in and week out because no one wants to go against the Cowboys' pass rush. And Thursday night, the Giants with Saquon Barkley Thursday afternoon are going to try to run the ball. That's what they do. They're going to try to force the run, and the Cowboys have to stop the run, prove they can do it week in and week out so they can let the pass rush eat. See, Hill, I
1: I thought there were a couple of throws that, Dak Prescott was special on in yesterday's game. And I know you weren't here for all of the Dak Prescott's slander and how everybody was saying Cousins belonged in the MVP conversation. But I want to focus on a couple of throws. On the first touchdown drive, there was a third and three early on in the drive, and Dak zips one in there to Michael Gallup. Or the, the throw that he made right before halftime to CeeDee Lamb to set up the Brett Meyer field goal. Where are we in terms of Dak Prescott's confidence level in that thumb and just his overall game, knowing that he's missed a lot of time this season?
3: Man, you just teed me up because that whole slander last week was was unfounded. It was idiotic. It was stick-based, you know, to call him the weak link. You know, first of all, anybody that watches the game, you know, you go back to that Packers game. We have to start with the Packers game. You go back to that Packers game. Anybody that watches the game knows the game. Everybody in the Cowboys, every receiver in football, Michael Irvin, every people on the broadcast, acknowledge that those interceptions were not the fault of Dak Prescott. Yeah. The receivers ran the wrong routes. They had spacing issues. He did everything right, but yet we're getting—he's getting blamed for those interceptions in the second quarter. But coming back off those interceptions in the second quarter, he leads the Cowboys on three straight scoring drives—one in the, the second quarter, two to start third quarter. He takes them to a 28-14 lead, and the defense gives up a fourteen point fourth quarter lead for the first time in franchise history. The Cowboys had gone one in ninety-five and zero before that with a lead in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yet yeah, Dak is considered the weak link. In other if, in other games, we would be talking about how he showed toughness and battled back from adversity and put them in the lead. Mm-hmm. You know, if the defense gets one stop in the fourth quarter, but yet you know there was a referendum on Dak's worth after that game. It made no sense, and Dak heard it. He doesn't like talking about it, acknowledging it. He heard it, the, the questions about his play, and he came out against the against the Vikings and had an almost perfect game. He was twenty two or twenty five. One was a drop, one was a, a, a throwaway. I mean, he couldn't have played any better, you know. And, and it had a lot to do with the game plan, their ability to run the ball. But it was also about Dak being perfect. You, you talk about the throws. That throw on the sideline uh, to C. D. Lamb before the half was, was Aaron Rodgers-esque. Special. It was special. It was Aaron Rodgers-esque. You know, and and you know it's funny because you showed that Jack that can be chippy. Yeah, he he's a nice guy, but he, you know you know don't test his kindness and think it's weakness and. After the game, I said, man, that, that, that kind of reminded me of Aaron Rodgers in 2016 when he beat y'all with that with that great throw to the tight end. He said, no, that was Dak. I said, I know what nah. you're saying. But that was like Aaron Rodgers. He said, no, that was Dak. You know, he missed that. You know, don't be comparing me to no, that. That was Dak. You know, that's me. That's what I do. You know, and, and then you go in the third quarter. You, this is a dime everybody talks about. That touchdown pass to Tony Pollard is third and 14. They're up 23-3. Starting the opening third quarter, the Cowboys facing a third and fourteen. If if the Vikings are going to get off the field, get back in the game, they need to stop right there. He throws a dime to Tony Pollard uh, that he couldn't have won and handed it to him any better. If he threw it it ran down and handed it to him any better. And he walked into the end zone. That's a that was a special throw, you know. And, and that's how good he had it going. But that's also about the resolve he has and he's had and, and and he's been playing well. This this offense, you know, since Dak Prescott has been back, is averaging more than 35 points a game. You know, this is the Cowboys' office remember last year. And if they add Odell Beckham to go with what they have with CeeDee Lamb, they still you know have some issues at their receiver. Uh, they have a chance to take another step, and that's what they're excited about.
1: Talking to Clarence Hill, Jr., Cowboys beat reporter for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And, C. Hill, you took me exactly where I wanted to go because Josina Anderson is reporting that Odell Beckham, Jr. is expected to to visit with the Cowboys in early December, can you tell us any more about that? What What are people in the organization saying about the prospects of adding Odell?
3: Well, yeah, we are reporting yesterday. You know, Jerry Jones confirmed that Odell Beckham will visit the Cowboys after Thanksgiving. You know, and and, and after this Thanksgiving game, they're going to sit down and video get us two get ten days between the, this game and their next game against the Colts, and he's going to visit with the Cowboys after Thanksgiving. Uh, it, you know, it's time for the talking to be done. The Cowboys have talked and talked and talked. I've never seen a team from the ownership to the coaches to the players in the locker room, thirst more for a free agent. I mean, if you listen to everybody, no one's keeping it a secret. Everybody's talking, we want Odell. Well, go get it. You know, go get him. There's your opportunity to go get him. You know, it's between the Cowboys and the Giants. And I think, you know, certainly a big decision can be made based on who wins the game Thursday night. He, You know, he wants to play with a winner. He wants to play with a team that has a chance to, to, to contend for the Super Bowl. The Cowboys certainly and the Giants, have a chance to offer that both or have seven and three records. But one thing that, that of note, and you guys in New York know this, that Giants turf, I mean, they had two receivers go down with ACL on that turf in New York this season. You know, Wendell Robinson, you know, is, is the latest one. And, and and certainly that increased the Giants' urgency to get a guy like Odell because they need help in the receiver. But coming off two ACLs, does he want to go play on that turf?
1: Hello? Yep, C. Hill, I got you. I got you. Well, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. Thanks for jumping on with us, giving us the latest on the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm pretty sure we're going to be talking to you real soon. Thanks again, my friend.
3: All right, man, appreciate you. Thank you.
1: All right, that is Clarence Hill, Jr., Cowboys beat reporter for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Coming up next, there's a team the Cowboys are chasing in the NFC and why the Eagles can thank Jalen Hurts for keeping their two-game lead in the division. That's next. You're listening to Candy and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning
2: championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too Just absolutely devastating loss for the New York Jets yesterday. And add to it on top, true insult when Zach Wilson, who could not have played worse yesterday, even though he didn't turn the football over technically, he easily could have a couple of times on interceptions that were dropped. After the game, asked if he let the defense down, he says no. Not once, but twice. Can't he? we got a little bit of breaking news when it comes to the New York Jets. And it is simply this, that Robert Sala, within the last little bit, has been very noncommittal as he's addressing the media. He was 90 minutes late to address the media today. And he said for the first time ever, says he won't uh, say who will start on Sunday. They will continue to evaluate. He has been informed, Wilson has, of his wait-and-see status wouldn't say if it'll be White or Flacco. Everything is on the table at this point. Um, on, it should be. It should here, be, Carlin. Here's one a... more. Go ahead. Um, on Wilson's lack of accountability, Salah acknowledges Wilson can do a better job in press conferences, but don't think it's indicative of who he is.
1: Well, I, I don't know what to say about his sports character, Carlin, but that's what's on trial right now. Based on what he said after the first Patriots game, where he threw, what, four interceptions? Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, you know, I get tired of getting outside of the pocket and throwing the ball away. It's frustrating. And boring. And boring. (laughs) And we were like, well, it's the right play when there's nobody open. You throw the ball away, you live to fight another down. After this game, when your offense puts up a grand total of 103 total yards, where you punt 10 times, Carlin, and – Your team only scores three points. Did you feel like the offense let the defense down? The answer to that question is yes. We didn't uphold our end of the bargain. Our defense held the Patriots' offense to three points. We got to find a way to win that game. And that's on me and the offense. Last time I checked, the quarterback is a leadership position by nature. You are leading the offense, the vehicle in which the team is most likely to score points. And when you only score three, you are letting – the entire team down. That's a problem, Carlin. And then the lack of production. 41% completion rate yesterday. Carlin, completion percentage above expected was minus 17% for Zach Wilson yesterday. Minus 17%, his off-target percentage. 35%, over a third of the throws that Zach Wilson was making were off-target. Carlin, I get that there were difficult Conditions out there. I understand all of that. Oh, he made but, sure but, to point but, but, out but, it but, was windy. But, 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 Carlin, Mac Jones had the same conditions. Yep. And Mac Jones, 23 of 27. 246 yards. Nine yards in attempt. I, what are we talking about? Like I, that That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. And so, Zach has got to stop trying to come up with different excuses or trying to deflect blame away from him. A franchise quarterback is going to absorb all of that and use that as fuel to make himself better and to help to elevate the play of everybody around him. It's clear that Zach Wilson ain't cut like that. So when Rob Sala says, don't take this as uh, an indictment on his character, I, I got to kind of brush that off. Uh, at this point, that's what I see on the field. A play- What I hear from Zach Wilson in the post-game press conferences reflects the player that I see on the field and how careless he is with the football. He also said that, uh, this is Robert Sala, by the way, that
2: he doesn't think that he has lost the locker room, and that is, I, I mean, that's tough to say right now. doesn't believe he's, he lacks in leadership right now. I mean, <laughs> Chris, I don't know what leadership Zach Wilson has ever exhibited it's not even that he's lacking. Does he have any period? I mean, there was a maturity issue that the Jets felt like they had this past season. Last year, his first year. And they thought that it had been addressed in the off season. And then you saw him do all the little things, right? This is what really gets me. He had the offseason throwing camps with all his receivers. Did the things that you're supposed to do there. Uh, set it up all over the place so that they could do it in a couple of different places, tried to bond with guys, all those kinds of things. And then you go, and in one word, post-game yesterday, you blow all of that work, all of it, by being a petulant child and not acknowledging that you played like crap. You played horribly. And this is, it's very simple. When you are a, a franchise quarterback, when things are not going right you say I and me. I and me. I'm responsible for what's going right and what's or what's going wrong right now. And when things are not are are going well it's we. It's it's not that hard to grasp. It's pretty easy in fact. And yet here's a guy who I, I always felt like the biggest concern was I don't know what level of adversity he had really ever faced before he got to the league. He had one year as a starter at BYU, and he was always, always better than everybody else. Mm. And when you watched him play that last year, he just simply relied on his physical abilities, and there wasn't much beyond that. Let's hear a little bit more from Robert Sala with the media today, expanding on everything around the quarterback evaluation.
4: You know you just you i've got to be able to sit back i think we all got to be able to sit back and just look at what's best for this organization um and this team and um you know it's uh it's not all about the quarterback i gonna be very very clear it's not all about the quarterback there's a lot of things that we can do better as coaches there's a lot of things that uh the o-line needs to do better receivers running backs tight ends um play caller there's uh uh, defense, nope. everybody, special teams. Oh. So I, I oh. get it when where everyone looks at the quarterback and just wants to throw everything on him. It's it's not always about the quarterback, uh, but there's also an evaluation process to make sure that we're doing what's best for the organization, and that's every position. That's quarterback position, uh, receiver. That's all of them. Uh, offense, defense, and special teams. So, uh, like I said, I'm I'm a little behind, and uh, and it's just things I've got to go through in my own process to make sure that I catch up. Let me
1: tell you what we're not going to do. Don't bring up the defense. The defense yeah. did their damn job yesterday. If I'm Sauce Gardner or if I'm John Franklin Myers or I'm Quentin Williams, don't you put the defense in things that things that people need to be doing better. The defense did their damn job yesterday. You are out of pocket as the head coach saying that. And you should know better with your background being on the defensive side of the ball. That ain't. That's what you can't do, Carla, right there, to try to protect – Zach Wilson's feelings, you throw the defense under the bus. And I'm sorry, the defense has been doing nothing but balling. Carlin, you're talking about a defense that is top 10 in yards and points and takeaways. They can't do no more than what they're doing out there. So why are you going to put them in the bucket with Zach Wilson?
2: That is not the place where you make it about the entire team. That is not the place to do it. And Chris, there are there are times. Let's be honest about it. And I felt like this yesterday, post game too. The way that Salah was so definitive in saying, "No, he's our guy. He's our guy. He's our guy." There are times when Salah doesn't handle these press conferences well, and that's one of them. You cannot you cannot say what you just said. I mean, I think about the the most veteran guy there,
1: and C.J. Mosley. How do you think he's taking that? Listen. Listen, it, it's clear the way the guys on the defense are taking it. All you got to do is look at the tweets that Sauce Gardner and John Franklin Myers liked yep. after the game, and then they had to spend all day today trying to walk back the fact that they liked those tweets. They did that on purpose. Cause they liked those tweets because those tweets said exactly what they want to say. Period.
2: Canty and Carlin, Take us to break. ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Much more on this. Your reaction to what Robert Sala had to say, and should the Jets go to Mike White or Joe Flacco or stick with Wilson? Your calls on the way at eight 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 888 ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six, and one of the brightest minds on this very topic joins us next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio.
0: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. better because it has to be now let's talk about the play of the week the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play and boom on yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken strained poured it was green and good the playmaker. Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
1: Did you miss Canty and Carlin?
2: Robert Sala saying just a few minutes ago he is not committing to Zach Wilson as the Jets quarterback this coming week. After what happened yesterday, Canty Carlin, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Mina Kimes uh, joins us right now, ESPN NFL analyst. Uh, Mina, let's just start right there. Um, it, it seems like a no-brainer that you can't commit to Zach Wilson, but what's your reaction uh, to hearing that from Robert Sala here in the last few minutes?
5: You know, the only reason it's even a little bit surprising at all is Jack Wilson being drafted where he was second overall uh, in the past. This is in a pre Josh Rosen in Arizona world. Um, you know, teams would really like to give those quarterbacks more chances than they probably deserved to see if they could develop and improve. And of course they are coming off two terrible performances against new England defense that I think is one of the best in the NFL. However, We have also seen a fair amount of Zach Wilson at this point. He has not played well throughout his NFL career. There's been flashes of competence as well as the occasional highlight play. But for the most part, he has statistically been one of the worst quarterbacks in this league. And I think Robert Sala in particular, having been a defensive coach looking at his team, which has one of the best defenses in the NFL and probably thinking, I don't want to waste this unit. Uh, And I think that's why this isn't terribly surprising, just because the defense is playing at such a high level. uh, And it would make sense, in my opinion, for him to consider going to White or Flacco.
1: Mina, the team on the other side of that matchup yesterday in Foxborough is firmly in the playoff picture with a wild card. And this AFC East seems like it's one of the most closely contested divisions in all of football. Who ultimately ends up winning this division from your perspective?
5: You know, I really think it's going to come down to the wire between Miami and Buffalo. Um, I do kind of lean Buffalo just because Miami, you know, they've had a pretty, they have a pretty easy stretch of games right now. But after next week when they play the Texans, they, they face a really strong slate of defenses, and I think they're going to be put to the test. Whereas Buffalo, you know, they've been battling injuries. Guys are coming back in the lineup. Hopefully they'll get Davious White back at some point, which will help a great deal, and Gregory Rousseau. Uh, so I think that they should be able to hold on to the one spot, but it's going to be very difficult uh, with Miami just coming so close.
1: Talking with ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes on Canty and Carlin. And Mina, with that performance from my homeboy yesterday, especially in that two-minute drill at the end of the game, is he, in your mind, the, the MVP running away? Or is there somebody that you see can make a push in the second half potentially catching him?
5: Well, you never know what could happen. You know, obviously there's a lot of quarterbacks who are in consideration. Tua in Miami, Jalen Hurts. Um, but I, and Josh Allen, I would say if he's performance rebounds. But for me, it's Mahomes and it's Mahomes by a pretty wide margin. You know, for this offense to not only um, not slip in the absence of Tyreek Hill, but frankly look even better than they did for much of last season is remarkable. Uh, and, and you know, we're seeing every week after week when the Chiefs are in primetime, in particular, Mahomes makes the sort of high end, you know, just magician like plays. That make it hard to knock him off as the MVP favorite.
2: Mina Kimes with us, Mina. The Cowboys yesterday are they one of, if not the best team in the NFC? Off of what we saw,
5: I have them as the second best team behind Philadelphia, and I'm really excited to see what happens when these teams meet again because I think, um, obviously, with Dak Prescott in the lineup, you know, things would be pretty. And the Cowboys at full strength, it should be an incredible game. But you know, just this performance against Minnesota. Obviously, the run game has been really good. I thought Dak Prescott did a good job of playing within himself, not trying to force the ball into difficult situations. But the story of the game for me was the defense. And, you know, we talk a lot about this pass rush and Micah Parsons being the favorite for defensive play of the year. It's really good to see him, by the way, back lined up at the edge after last week against Green Bay when he's playing off the ball. But I was so impressed by what they did in coverage against you know a Minnesota team that whatever you think of how their record reflects their actual quality, does have Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. Uh, I thought the uh, Cowboys' defense changed up some of their tendencies. They were disguising their coverage. They were stimulating pressures. And Kirk Cousins looked deeply uncomfortable all day as a result.
1: Mina, you brought up the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, that performance yesterday, did he prove that he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league by bringing the Eagles back from being down 10 in the fourth quarter?
5: Eh, you know, it, it's hard. I, first of all, I, I want to say that he's playing like one of the top quarterbacks in the league regardless. I do think, you know, with a game like that, um, you know, he, he was – it was not his best performance, honestly. You know, he looked a little bit skittish at times and um, I think missed some throws that he's been making so far this season, not having Dallas guard there hurt. But then you saw, of course, the kind of playmaking that is what makes him so exciting and successful this year. And, um, you know, when you see a drive like that, the game winner, it really reminds you that Hurts isn't just a beneficiary of the pieces around him, even though he's in a great situation. He also is the facilitator and manufacturer of some of that success.
2: I mean, the last one, Canty and I have been debating this all day. Well, not debating it, but asking. Do you shop for the Thanksgiving groceries in your
5: household? Uh, my husband does, actually.
1: Really? Okay. <laughs> Canty had her. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm the only ESPN on-air talent that actually has to go bolo people in the checkout line the week of Thanksgiving. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only oh. one.
5: <laughs> yeah, you, I mean... I, they, they I ordered them... Mina,
1: Mina, well, first of all, I wish I could order them, but my wife wouldn't give me that pass. But literally, no less than three times aggravated assault at the checkout line. I feel like that's
0: that's what it was
1: today. Like it was
0: a zoo in the grocery store. Yeah.
5: No, I want no part of that. I'd rather (laughs) order in.
2: Yep. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst. Appreciate it, as always. Great stuff, Mina.
5: Bye, guys.
2: You know, listen – I'm having trouble uh, as we're talking about the whole Zach Wilson thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm really trying in my head, Chris, to navigate a way that the Jets are going to be able to fix this. And we're going to get into this in just moments. The defense of Zach Wilson is on the way. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN radio.
0: Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: Did you miss Canty and Carlin?
2: I don't know the way out of this for the Jets. I don't know how to solve this problem. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. If you're just joining us, Robert Sala has said within the last hour that uh, he is not fully committed to Zach Wilson this week, being the quarterback. Everything is on the table. Um, this after Zach Wilson yesterday was absolutely atrocious against the Jet, uh, against the New England Patriots. And then after the game, uh, said that he did not feel like he and the offense let down the defense, an offense that had two yards of total offense in the second half, two yards on yeah. seven drives. How is that possible? Let's take a call real quick. 888-ESPN on the Dr. Pepper call in the line. Uh, Dolphin Dave checking in on the Jets. I'm sure he'll be objective. Go ahead, Dave. You're on ESPN Radio. I I
6: promise I will. And, uh, Chris, I appreciate you guys taking my call. Uh, Your foundation, by the way, is outstanding, man. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, man. So three things. I'm going to make it real quick. One, can we not disagree already that the Jets are – over they've overachieved at this point in the season. Nobody thought they would have the record that they have right now and that they're heading in the right direction. I would agree with that, but they are overachievers. They they're not they're, they're pretenders. They're not for real. Let's just call it what it is. Number 2. See, I think there's a difference uh, though.
2: With... Hang on a second though. There's a difference between overachieving and a team that's progressing. This is not a team that is overachieving. It's a team that's progressing perhaps a little bit sooner than we anticipated,
1: Chris. No, I'm with you on that one. I I think they have developed quicker than anybody expected. Nobody saw Garrett Wilson stepping in and being what he was, a true number one receiver. Nobody saw Sauce Gardner stepping in and being the best corner in football 10 games into his career. Like, these are things that... We didn't anticipate. We didn't know that Quentin Williams was going to be the second best defensive tackle in all of football. So these are all things that are positive developments for the Jets. But as a result, you're now talking about having a championship caliber defense, a championship caliber supporting cast in your skill position core. And yet your quarterback can't take advantage of those things. And, and Carlin, that's got to be the most frustrating part for that locker room because they know what they're capable of, but their quarterback puts a lower ceiling on what their potential would suggest they're capable of being. What else you got, Dave?
6: To to my second point, and then my third be quick, I promise. To my second point, uh, and I agree with what Chris said about the you you can't put the defense on blast the way the coach did. The only rebuttal I would have to that that made sense to me was being devil's advocate. If the coach is putting them in a situation where they're saying that the defense had – opportunities to make plays where there was interceptions in their hands and they're dropping balls, Uh, those things need to be looked at. To your point, championship defense, they do have that caliber, and you know something about that as you are part of one. But, uh, you know, I would think that he's just calling them out to be like, hey, if the opportunity presents itself, you need to make those plays when they're available. Yeah, no,
2: I don't buy that. I'm sorry. and and Thanks for the call. Um, I I, I don't buy that. You don't bring the defense into this discussion when they give up three points. I'm sorry, you don't. No, they can't, just be a part,
1: they can't be a part of this, Carlin. And you can't both sides that thing as the head coach because that's what's going to lose the locker room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're trying to buy into what you're asking us to do. But in a game where we only gave up three points, we saw our offense punt the ball ten times and our quarterback show no accountability for his part in the apathy of the offense. But, Carlin, just the lack of empathy for the defense – knowing how hard it is to go out there and do what they did to an NFL offense, for, for, for Zach Wilson not to, not to acknowledge that in the least bit in, in his post-game comments, to be as definitive as he was when he, asked, when he was asked the question about you know, the, you know, feeling you know, some sort of blame for letting the defense down. He said no, before the reporter could even finish the question. To me, that says everything you need to know about the sport, sports character of your quarterback, and I'm sorry, Carlin, that's just not good enough for where no, the Jets want to go.
2: It's not. It's not. And Chris, so with that in mind, I, I look around the league and I, I don't see many other situations that are quite this complicated. Like, where is the other situation in this league that a team is ready to win right now? And the quarterback is holding them back. Do you? I mean, do you truly like the idea that was that was even floated last week about Dak Prescott was a
1: joke? Yeah, was was a complete joke. Well, I think one of those teams that we can clearly point to is the Washington Commanders, right? Yeah, we've seen. seen, Holding them back? No, I'm saying Carson Wentz. We've seen the the control, which is Carson Wentz, starting this season, and we're seeing the experiment. And Taylor Heineke. I mean, Carlin, you pointed it out. They've won five of their last six. I mean, that's essentially when Taylor Heineke stepped in as the starting quarterback. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it was that. Chicago, uh, it was right after that Chicago Bears game, right?
2: I believe so, yeah.
1: So, I mean, I, that, that, that goes to show you everything you need to know about where that franchise is at. It feels like a team that's ready to go. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Carlin, I think there are some instances that you can point to around the National Football League where you would question – you know, the quarterback's role in in the team's ascension. I think another one of those places that you can question the quarterback, the team the Jets just lost to in the New England Patriots. I, yeah. I, I'm not sold on I'm not sold on Matt Jones. But I tell you what, that defense is pretty good. And that offensive line in. in that running game is pretty good. Yeah. So I mean so I mean when you look at all of those different things, it's like, yeah, these there are certain teams where the quarterback is in the way of the team achieving a higher level of success. They're winning in spite of their quarterback and not because of them. And it should never be the case because the quarterback has more impact on your team winning than anybody else. Is that happening in Detroit, Chris? With Jared Goff? Uh, it's hard to say that because they score a lot of points, Carlin. They score a bunch of points. They scored 31 points yesterday against the Giants.
2: Yeah, I know. But do they score those points because of Jared Goff? Yeah. You know, I mean. Le- legitimate
1: I, I- question. Also, Also a legitimate question. Minnesota.
2: Yeah. Well, yesterday, they were absolutely awful. Uh, Listen, it is a fascinating situation, but Wilson's got a lot of work to do. And Carlin weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN
6: Plus.